Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, Greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Sunday, on this Resurrection Sunday. This is the day the church remembers the most triumphant day in all of history. The day that sin and death was conquered by our Lord. Amen? Amen? He had endured great suffering and anguish. His body was bruised and pierced. He was mocked, despised, and rejected. Water and blood flowed in gushing streams out of his body after he breathed his last breath. His friends deserted him. His disciples wondered what would become of themselves. I and any other story would have been, it would have been the end indeed, but not the story of Jesus. Many times we hear a story and at the end of the story, the the hero breathes his last breath and dies at the end and everyone sighs a gasp of of grief. Oh, we weren't thinking that was going to happen. And in any other story, that would be the end of the story. Of Christ. He was the kernel of wheat who was put dead into the ground, and instead of decaying, he sprang forth in resurrection power. Sealed behind stone walls, guards and seals keeping watch to make sure that no lies were created to pretend that he had risen. But on that glorious morning, saints, a morning like this morning, a sad Mary Magdalene came to the tomb expecting death to meet her where love had lifted her before, but he was gone. He had risen. Hope for all of us today. Death had no power over him. And one day, all his power over us and others will be gone. Can we say thanks be to God? By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David saw this day. And Jesus even prayed these very words that David's heart saw in the future when he wrote Psalm 22. As God calls us to worship, let us hear what David saw through a shadow, what he saw through a glass darkly that we see clearly today. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I will cry in the day, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou delivered them. They cried unto thee, and they were delivered, and they trusted in thee, but they were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man a reproach of men, despised of the people. All that see me shall laugh me to scorn. They shoot out their lip, and they shake their head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing that he delighted in the Lord." 
but thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round about. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. But thou hast brought me now even to the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all of my bones. They took and they stare upon me. They part my garments among them, and they cast lots for my vesture. Be thou not far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. Yea, they that fear the Lord shall praise him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All ye seed of Israel, for he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard him. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat of bread and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord that seek him. And your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship. They shall go down to the dust that bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him, and it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto the people that shall be born. This hath he done. Can you imagine that David wrote that? And so much of what we see in the crucifixion and in the life of Christ is penned hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before he was even born, before they nailed him on a cross, and before he was risen from the dead. Let us pray. Lord, you call us today into your presence to worship you, for you alone are worthy of praise. Lord, we gladly come, knowing that we don't deserve to be here, Lord, but you have taken your blood and washed away the crimson stains of our blood, our sins with your blood. And Lord, you have made us whiter than snow. Lord, when we appear before you at the judgment, we will not come in our own righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ Jesus, he that triumphed over the grave, will stand in our stead. Today we come hungering and thirsting after that righteousness, that we might live in it and walk in it today, that we might have a glimpse of heaven even on this earth as we love each other and live together in harmony and unity, Lord. We pray today, Lord, that you would change us and make us more fit for heaven today. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said... standing in just a bit longer as I read for you my text from Ephesians chapter 1 starting in verse 15. My sermon today is called Resurrection Power. Everybody say Resurrection Power. Resurrection power. <clears throat> Ephesians 1 15 says this, 
Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory in his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for this great day, a day to remember when the greatest power the earth has ever seen has come. Lord, we languished for millennia, Lord, under death and sin with no hope other than the hope that one day it would be different. But when Christ came, he changed everything. And according to the power that has been given to him, we go forth and conquer in this world, conquering sin and death. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Last week as we talked about dominion, we looked into Psalm 8, a song of praise and dominion. If you remember, I took you there to Ephesians chapter 1, to the very verses that I read for you today, to show you what the apostles' prayer was for the Ephesians. He was praying that they would understand their power to take dominion, right? God sent the children of Israel, and he told them, this is the promised land, and he said, I'm not going to send you in there by yourself. He said, I'm going to do what? I'm going to go before you. I'm going to prepare the way. No one will be able to stand before you. He gave them the power to do the job that he had given them to do. And God has also given us the power to do what he's called us to do here on earth. God has given us this world. And he's going to take it for uh, his name and for his glory. And so I thought we would start, start right here in Paul's prayer And we would be reminded of what he prayed for, and you would know that it is my prayer for you today as well. God is seen at work all throughout the scriptures. He speaks in a vast, innumerable, starry host, appears. Our universe created through God's words that day is so very vast that even the light from one of these stars is supposed to take millions of years even to make it to earth. And yet what? The light was here Instantly, as he did this, the other great wonders of creation, we are given no notion that this was somehow difficult for God. God did not give us the vision of himself summoning all his greatness in one great act in creating the world. In fact, it's almost mentioned in a casual way. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. That was not hard for God. Sometimes I think that we have been so... Hollywoodized or movieized or whatever you want to say that we picture God straining and he's summoning all of his force and God is so great that even to create all of the universe with the spoken word was nothing really for God 
Is anything hard for God? Everybody say, nothing is hard for God. Over and over we see His great works before us and God, yet He shows Himself how to us, but in a still small voice. He hears the quiet prayer of Elijah on Mount Carmel after the wailing of the prophets of Baal. They dance and they wail and they, they jump and they cut themselves because they're trying to say that by their great exertions, their great uh, throwing themselves, that somehow they're going to conjure the Spirit of God and, and Elijah makes it clear that God does not need to be conjured. He is no genie in a lamp that needs to be rubbed or talked to or convinced to come out. He speaks. Elijah prays a simple prayer. Hear me, Lord. And the power of heaven comes down. Fire consumes not only the sacrifice on the altar, but it, the Bible says it licks up the water from the moat and burns the stones in a mighty, mighty moment of power. And I, I'm, I'm sorry that I have to mention this to you again, but I'm going to Mount Carmel. In three days, I'll be standing where this happened. Isn't that amazing? Kind of exciting. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. I'll be looking for the burnt stones and the licked up dust and the fire. And I'm sure maybe after 3,000 years, it's probably still not blackened with burn. But maybe I'll find something that looks that way, right, Andy? Yet here in our text, Paul prays a prayer. He prays a prayer filled with something that we have never seen on this scale. This prayer is not the simple prayer of Elijah, but it is a prayer of, of Paul's great summoning of the great powers. And if you will read it with me as we did, we'll read it again more than once here today. The magnitude of Paul's description is unrivaled anywhere in Scripture. As he prays, listen once more to what he prays for as he describes something great and grand that is going on in the world. He wants our eyes to be open, Steve. He wants us to see what he is doing. It reminds me of the, the prophet once again whose servant was terrified of the army that surrounded him. And the prophet prayed, Lord, could you open the eyes of my servant? And instead of the army coming to destroy him, he saw the angelic host. He saw the great uh, you know, angels who were not really afraid. I'm sure they were casually leaning on their you know, angelic horses or whatever they were doing. Uh, they weren't over there scared of, of God's enemies, right? So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prays this prayer. He said, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you. It's what we do. When we see people come to Christ, we, uh, it's a wonderful thing. Every week I gather together, I see people that have come to Christ that I was able to be there with them when they did that. And I cease not to give thanks for them. I, when I uh, think about what God has done in my life, I think of my children that He has given me, and I also think of the spiritual children. And I've seen them go from darkness to light. I've seen them go from misery and despair and loneliness to becoming part of the household of God and the citizens of, of faith, amen, and becoming the closest people to me in my whole life. Wherefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord and love unto all the saints, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And I love what he prays here in verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Paul prayed that the Ephesians, that you and I, that we would know God. That we would not simply know about Him. That we would not simply know that He created the universe or that He is vast and that He is far away. But that somehow we would know Him 
personally. That we would experience Him personally. That you and I would know God by the power of His Holy Spirit. That we would receive divine wisdom to understand the greatness of what He has done for us. Sometimes I really think we don't know what He's done. Sometimes I really don't think that we understand who we are. And if we did understand who we are, we wouldn't live like we do. Knowing who you are affects how you live. You walk in a room and, and you're somebody in that room. You walk in that room a little bit different, right? You walk in that room and you ought to be in that room or you're in a place where something needs to be done. If you happen to have authority in this situation, you can take it, right? But many times I don't think we know who we are. He would also write this to the Philippians in his own prayer that he might know God. Remember that? the apostle Paul he said oh that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death I was actually thinking and I this is a little derail this is not in my this is not in my sermon so you take this out of the time that I'm spending with you today I was picturing I got an ice cube sorry about that I was picturing a kernel of corn. And as uh, Andy was reading for us from the book of 1 Corinthians, I was picturing that we want that kernel of corn so bad. You know, it's us. It's who we are, we say. It's, it's what we are. And what the apostle said is, you know, what you will be is not what you are right now. That as much as you like this little kernel of corn, don't you understand, for the kernel of corn to be anything... It's got to go down into the ground, in the dirt, in, a, in, in, in dishonor. I thought of that. I thought of a mighty... We have this tree in our side yard, Annie, that is just magnificent. I mean, it's an oak tree. I, I'm telling you, you could probably put our house on top of it, and that tree would hold our entire house. It's this massive oak tree. It's like this big around. And I think that there was one time where that oak tree was a very humble acorn that some squirrel probably dug a hole in and threw it down there and forgot about it. Folks, that's our life. We are sown in dishonor, the Bible says, but we are raised. And, and I got to thinking, you know what? I've kind of thought of myself as an acorn, but you know what? God says that when we are sown into death and dishonor, that we will arise. Really not. God will choose what it will be. You put, you put corn in the ground, a, corn, a kernel of corn, corn comes up. You put an acorn, an oak tree comes up. That's what it's saying in 1 Corinthians. You don't even know what you're going to be until you get sown into your own death and God raises you up. And that kernel that you were, it's not going to be very much at all like the body that you have. Tammy, are you excited to know that the body you have now isn't the one that you're going to be stuck with forever? I am too. He continues on and he said, I want the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, that what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What a wonderful prayer indeed, Dad. He prayed, what would happen if we prayed this prayer and it was answered for us today, that God would enlighten our eyes, that they are understanding so that we could comprehend the incredible hope built into what God has called us to be and to do. What would happen if we understood it? That we might know the riches that we have obtained as sons and daughters of the Most High God, King of kings and Lord of lords, as not merely His subjects in His kingdom, but as 
his children. It's kind of a wonderful thing to know that we belong to God, that we are the children of the king, that our father is the king of all there is. We have not only been given pardon for our sins and escape from his judgment, but we have been made to share in his glory, the glory of the king of kings. It's a marvelous thing. I always think of this. I always think, you know, when you're, when you're coming to the point of knowing that you need salvation or when you're dealing with someone, the biggest thing on their mind is the, the, the darkness of the stains of their sin, the difficulty of they live, all of the things that they've sowed that they might reap. And that's what they're worried about. And that's what I remember even understanding about myself and being worried about. But, you know, God doesn't just save us from that. What he does is he saves us to something. People of God, what a wondrous thing it is indeed would be to God that the scales of our doubt and fear would be shed today and we would know who He is and who we are. That would be to God that we would learn to walk day by day by the faith of this truth of the stormy waters of life instead of sinking beneath the threatening waves. Oh God, give us eyes to see today what God has said and refuse what defies His holy words. Beloved, this was not all Paul prayed for though. And what I've prayed for too. Verse 19 continues. His prayer continues on. He prayed that God's elect would know this. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power? You might find yourself knowing and believing that you are a child of the King. You might understand that you will share one day in His glory perhaps in heaven and that's great right the thought of sharing with God's glory in heaven that's great but that's not all there is here God has not only given us the ability to share with his glory one day in the sweet by and by brother Jason but he's giving us something the Bible says his power who believe right now everybody say right now. right now would we be that we could understand that we have been endued with power from on high, as it says in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8. Remember this, as Jesus rose from the dead, he declared to all his disciples, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Right? What did he tell them to do because of this power? He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things that he had commanded because he had not only risen them from the dead and not only had their sins been forgiven and not only were they children of the king, but they had power. And he said, I've got all the power and go. Now he told them before they went though, he wanted them to wait until the same power was conferred upon them. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus had told them, it says, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with what? with power from on high. And we know it came on the day of Pentecost. So what did they do with their power? When they got their power on the day of Pentecost, did they walk across the Sea of Galilee? Did they go and they find dead people and raise them up? Did they multiply loaves and fishes on the day of Pentecost with the power that they've received? The power of the Holy Spirit that was dwelling inside of them? The power of the Spirit of Christ Himself? Is that what they did on the day of Pentecost? Or what did they do, Brother Steve? They opened their mouth and they preached the gospel and they called on people to repent of their sins and believe the gospel. That's what they did with the power that they had that day. 
Paul explains this great power came from God through Christ at his resurrection. He tells us this in verse 20 of Ephesians chapter 1. He said, this power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. We often think, what a wonderful thing it was that Jesus rose from the dead on Resurrection Sunday. But what I'm wanting you to do today is to be thankful that you have risen from the dead. Amen? Amen. That God has not only risen you from the dead, but you have the power to do something with that. That God has not only saved you from sin, He saved you to something. And many of us are just thankful for what He did, but we're not looking forward to what He is doing now or what He can do in our lives. God did not just take the children of Israel out of Egypt. He brought them in to the promised land. He did not just take them out of the bondage of slavery, but He brought them in with a powerful hand. And when they stood before the walls of Jericho, they opened their mouths and the walls fell flat. They had the power of God with them, not just to escape slavery, not just to escape the torments of the wilderness for 40 years, but to go in and conquer a land, the land that flowed with milk and honey, and to become a nation that God had given them the nation of Israel. He says, he wrought in Christ this same power when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above, everybody say far above. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. I thought it was an amazing thing that when he created the world, he just said, let there be light. But when Paul talks about the power of the resurrection, he says, let me explain to you that the power of the resurrection is far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named. And not only every name in this world, but every name that is named in every world to come. There is certainly no ambiguity here. God is not just saying serious power came in the resurrection, but the greatest power, the greatest authority ever. Not just far above, but far above all principality. Every one of earth's rulers is what that word principality means. Far above power, anyone given authority in heaven and earth. That's what the word power means there. Far above all might. This word means power to do the miraculous. Far above dominion. That means any lordship of any kind, far above any other name, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. You don't get any more powerful than that. Paul said Jesus was given a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue would confess of his lordship. That he would be lord and they would confess it. There's... It's one thing to be considered the president or one thing to be considered the king uh, and hold that title, but it's another when everybody confesses that that's who you are and everybody bows their knee and they're willing to serve you. If Paul's words to the Philippians in chapter 2 is an epistle to them, showed a deep descent down a spiritual staircase down to the lowest of lows, as, as I've often said from this pulpit, Paul's words to the Ephesians shows him coming back up from death, shame, slavery to the highest of glory. Here these steps down in Philippians chapter 2. He who was God made himself of no reputation. Everybody say, step down. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likenesses of men. Everybody say, step down. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Everybody say, step down. And he became obedient unto death. Everybody say, step down. 
even the death of the cross. Everybody say, step down. The Bible tells us that even after all of the descent down the staircase of shame and of death and of all of these things that he went, the Bible says down into the lower parts of the earth. He went down into where uh, uh, spirits have been held in chains. And he went down there, the Bible tells us, and he confronted the devil himself and took from him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. If those were steps down, what Paul talks to us about here in Ephesians 2 are the steps back up. The words in Ephesians are steps back up to glorification, steps the humble Savior walk back to His glory, to His heavenly throne. As Paul takes us up higher and higher with Christ, I can almost feel my own feet coming off of the ground with the resurrection power. These truths, though, were not only for Jesus, though. Paul's prayer to the Ephesians are being answered in us today because it was not just Christ's resurrection from the dead that was the end of the story. It's yours and mine. I can truly say that the eyes of my understanding have been enlightened and I think I see what Paul wanted all of us to understand. The resurrection was an awesome display of the power of God for a new creation. It is for you and I too. Here's the prayer again. Now, as I, as I read this, I want you guys to just let it kind of do something in you. Do you hear it? He said, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That the eyes of your understanding should be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of His glory in the inheritance of the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. And He hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Sounds like Paul just turned a corner. Not only is he talking about the power of Christ, but he's talking about the power of us. If we are the body of Christ, then all things are under whose feet? Everybody say they're under my feet. Seeing what God wrought in Christ is amazing and wonderful, but understanding what he wrought in Christ and how he is working in us right now is even more so. All things are under His feet that we know, but today we need to remember that they are under our feet too. We're His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. It was the power of the resurrection that has done these things and the power of the resurrection that continues this work. The resurrection didn't just happen one day long time ago. It's happening every single day. So what has God done in you and what is He doing in His people today? You really have to go to the, just the next verses in Ephesians to find out because that's what Paul does. He goes in chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says this. After he prays this prayer, he goes, I need you to understand who you are. He said, you, God quickened. You, God raised from the dead. You were in your trespasses and sins. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom we also had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. He explained that we were dead. Everybody say this together. We were dead. Paul explains that we were quickened, that we were brought to life. We were dead, but not mostly dead. We were completely dead. 
Some people think the gospel is that we just needed a little help. That we, uh, God looked at us and He sees how that there was something that He could hope for still left in us. The Bible said we were dead. There's no hope in dead people. There's no flicker of life in the dead. The dead are dead. And when we were dead, it said that Christ came to us and He quickened us. When I first was coming to the Reformed understanding of Scripture, so much of what I had been taught seemed so confusing. Someone pointed out something very clear in Scripture. When God's Word talks about people today getting saved or what we call regeneration, there are two main themes in the Bible. The first is that we're being born. Everybody say being born. And the second are that we're being raised from the dead. And one thing about both of these things is that the people that it happens to have nothing to do with them. Nobody that was born ever made themselves be born. And nobody that was ever dead had anything to do with their raising from the dead. We know that when blind Bartimaeus cried out and said he was blind, Lord, heal me. He had a little something to do with it, right? He was calling on God. But there was, Lazarus was not in the tomb going... I'd like you to come and raise me from the dead. You didn't hear anywhere in the story that from somewhere inside of Lazarus' tomb through the rock, you can hear Lazarus going, Come on, Jesus! Say the word and I'm going to get up. He said nothing. In fact, his flesh was rotting and decaying and he was stinking and he was so far from any help within himself. No dead man was ever able to pray and ask to be raised. No person unborn could ever influence his birth. Yet time and again, people are all taught contrary to what is obvious that this is what God does. But it is not what he does. What he did is he raised us from the dead. Paul is clear. You were dead. You were a child of the devil. You walked and lived the way you did because that is who you are and all you could ever do without God's intervention. I love the startling turnaround, though, in the next verse. One we do well to remember. In fact, it might come in handy. The next time you're in a difficult situation and you're looking at it and you're finding yourself hopeless and you're finding yourself with not understanding the light that may come from the situation, I want you to say, but God. You see, he says, this is what you were. You were without hope in the world. You were in darkness. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. There was nothing you could do. And he turns it around in verse 3, but he said, but God. That's what makes all the difference in the world. God. Not you, not your intellect. Not You can't go, you know what? I'm thankful that I found this scripture and I was able to understand it. But God. Paul prays this. He says, but God, who was rich in his mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. This is what has happened because of the resurrection. Jesus made his way where there was no way, and he made the living what was dead. The great power indeed, but that's not all. You see, that's exciting too. Christ rose from the dead, and I've risen from the dead, and that's great. But you know, that's not all the greatness there is in the story here and in the power. It's not just that he raised from the dead and they couldn't hold him down. It's not just that you raised from the dead and they couldn't hold you down. Paul tells us that God is still at work. Creation took six days, but the new creation is still being spoken into existence day by day. It says in verse 6 that God hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come He might show His exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
Not only did He save the Son of God and raise Him from the dead, not only did He save you and me, but He has given us, He saved us so that we can do something. This is getting exciting for me. I love how God takes us higher and higher. Man was lost and dead, hopeless under the wrath and curse of God. Jesus came to save him. He saved mankind from sin and death. Not only did he raise him up to walk in newness of life, washing away his sins by the power of his blood. That wasn't all. Not only did he put a not guilty over us and call us righteous. Not only did he do that, but just as he did that, just like the prodigal, he didn't just have us come in and be his servants, but he had us come in to be a son. He put a robe on our back, a ring on our finger. He called us his son. He gave us a glory inheritance in, in the saints, and he did all that. But that's not all he did. He's done even more than that. He's given us the power of new creation. Remember we talked about this in, in Dominion where God said he made man in his own image? And where God, when He spoke, let there be light, there was light. Brother Steve, God has given us the power through us, through our bodies, through the bodies of the new creation to be like Him. And we speak, and the new creation happens. In our hearts and in our mouths, God has placed a river of life, a fountain that can quench the thirst of thirsty men, that can water the seeds of God's Word and can send them forth. Beloved, if we only knew the power that we possess... Our enemy knows all about it. And the last thing he wants us to do is to know what he knows and to know what God knows. God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching that men should be saved. That just as God said, let there be light and there was light, the creatures of the new creation are made in the images of God. We have the words of eternal life. Did you know that? Did you know that you're going to speak words and that the words of your mouth are going to cause people to come into existence just like the planets? I'm telling you guys, you probably just don't know. That's probably why you don't do it too much. Did you know that God has given you the power to procreate others into the light of the Lord, to fill the Word with His glory, to do what Adam did not do? God has given you and I the power to take dominion over the world by filling it with God's people. Jesus with His bride, His Eve, is doing what Adam and His Eve did not do. You see, Jesus explained what to do with this power, right? What did He say? You've got the power. Do what? Everybody say, go. Go, go into all the world, preaching, teaching. He told them to wait in Jerusalem, and they would be given great power. What did they do with their power? Everybody say, they preached. And they taught. And what happened? And souls were brought into the kingdom. Men came to repentance. Men who were dead in their trespasses and sins turned to the living God. And they arose to walk in newness of life. And when people came against them and tried to get them to recant their faith, they did not love their lives unto the death. But they did what? They followed their Lord who was not too good to be killed for what he believed. And they became like Christ. Men and women were born again. They came to repentance. They were born of the water and the Spirit. God had to baptize to signify the birth into the new kingdom. Just as water ushers forth from a woman before a baby is born, we come through the waters of baptism. This is what they did. And if you read the book of Acts, it's what they kept doing. If you read the book of Acts, it'll almost wear you out. 
They preach the gospel and people come to the Lord and then in the next few verses they preach it again and more people come to the Lord and they did this in Jerusalem and they did it in Judea and then they go to Samaria and then they go to the uttermost parts of the earth because that's what God said that they would do. This is how the church grows and conquers. Don't keep your mouth shut. Speak God's word. Don't be afraid to speak it. Let the devil be afraid of you. Don't be afraid of him. We are called to be the army of God. As it says in Psalm 149, verse 6, it says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. I'm thinking of this army in uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. What is that but the people of God who were dead, who were just nothing but a valley of dry bones, who had no power to do anything, but the power of the word of God was spoken. And what happened? Bone came on bone and sinew came on sinew. And they arose and they became a mighty army. Isn't that what happened in Ezekiel 37? That's you. And that army, God didn't call an army to do nothing. He didn't call us to have just have feasts and parties and, and love each other and be nice. He called us to go to war and to conquer and to create a nation for his name. This is our power. Like those who marched around Jericho, shouted, bringing down its wall. God speaks to us and tells us his word. He tells us to carry it to the ends of the earth, to refuse to be silenced by men or our own fears, to trust that God's word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which God has meant for it to do. God means to save the world through you and through me, his servants, those who will not fear, but by the power of the spirit, speak his word whenever they can and wherever they can. I'm believing that God's going to do that here. I know I've been talking about it for a while. I know still we don't see him. They're coming. There's people out there who don't know the Lord, who are sitting in hopelessness and despair, who are dead in their sins, who will sit in this church and they will say, you know, something happened to me. Something happened, Brother Luke, when you were talking to me. Something in my heart changed. And what I'd heard a million times but made no sense, all of a sudden, now it makes sense. That's going to happen to you, Luke. You're going to see it happen. You're going to get the fever for it, brother. I believe in God's going to save many through you. I believe that we're all going to see resurrection power in the lives of those who, like we were, are dead in their trespasses and sins. I know we will. We must. It's our holy calling. It's the biblical imperative. It's the promise of God. Are you willing to have faith today? Are you willing to join in the work of overcoming our enemies by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb? That's what Revelation says we will do. Will you give your mouth to God today? Will you give it to Him by speaking His truth wherever you can and whenever you can? By seeking out those who are perishing and speaking life to them. I pray that you will. Resurrection power is ours today. Not only to raise us up. But for us to raise others up in that same power. May this be our prayer today. On this Resurrection Sunday. Not just about what he did in us. But about what he's going to do through us. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Oh Lord. Sometimes when I preach, I say to myself, it doesn't seem like they're listening. It doesn't seem like it's working. But I do believe you said that if I would preach this word, that I would have resurrection power in my own words. And so I preach it. 
Lord, I believe by faith right now that there are those whose hearts are burning in them to speak the word of God and to see resurrection power demonstrated in their lives. Lord, I pray for those lost that are out there who are longing for someone to love them and longing for someone to preach the word to them. They don't even know it, Lord. I say they're longing and I guess they're not. Lord, I pray that you give them a longing. I pray that you give them ears to hear, Lord, that you make their lives good ground so that when we come along with the seed, Lord, it will begin to grow. Lord, this is all very mysterious and very wonderful, Lord, but we know that your word says it is so. And may it be what we focus on and may it be the work that we do based on the word that you've called us to. In Christ's name we pray and all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.